Hey there, welcome to the podcast of Tower Hill Church. This is Pastor Jason. We are wrapping up this sermon series on the Apostles' Creed. I hope that it has really helped you to not only think about what the creed means, but why it matters in your everyday life. Why does it matter what we say about Jesus? And today's message I'm really excited about because it really drills down to one of the biggest questions that human beings ask, and that is, what happens when I die? And for the follower of Jesus, the question is also, what happens when I die? Am I with Jesus? What does this have to do with the resurrection of the dead and the life everlasting? What are the mechanics of that? How does that work? And we have a lot of questions. But interestingly, even for Christians, we tend to base our belief of the afterlife, our belief of heaven, kind of on our own imaginations or our own wishful thinking sometimes. And so this message is really designed to get down to the heart of what it is that we say we believe about resurrection, about eternal life with Jesus Christ, and where did that belief come from? And so I hope that you enjoy today's message. Before we get into the message, I just want to remind you, it's not too early to start thinking about your Easter plans. We have three services Easter Sunday morning here at Tower Hill. We have two traditional services and a contemporary service all on Sunday morning. And each service is going to run about 45 minutes. We get you out of here and you can make sure that you beat all the other Christians to brunch. So (laughs) it's very important. Make sure you get enough French toast and eggs Benedict and all that delicious stuff. So nine o'clock traditional, 1015 traditional, and then 1130 contemporary. Again, we had a great success with this schedule last year, but it is a tight schedule. So you want to make sure they get here early enough to get some parking and be prepared as we get ready to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord, which is always just an amazing, amazing day here at Tower Hill. This is like Tower Hill at its best. So I hope that you can join us. Please invite a friend. A lot of people are looking for churches this time of year. Encourage them to come. All right, now without further ado, here is the final installment of the sermon series, Credo, I Believe. Now today we are in the very last part of the creed. I believe in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Just a little light thinking for your morning. (laughs) The resurrection of the body and life. Because really this tackles perhaps the deepest question that humanity asks. It's at least in the top two. And that is, what will happen to me when I die? What's going to happen? Am I going to see a light? Am I going to go down this light tunnel? Am I going to, you know, what happens? And where do I get my information on? Is it just what I hope happens? Or, Or do I have some kind of information I'm basing that off of? Am I going to see my loved ones? Are they going to be there? Am I, am I going to know that I'm gone? Is it going to be something that I just hope happens? Like there'll be just a table full of endless cheesesteaks with no cholesterol. Like, <laughs> is, that, is that what I'm going to get? Well, if so, what am I basing that off of? I, I mean, I'm, I'm not basing that on anything other than my own hopes. So we think about what happens after we die. After the first service, someone said, okay, so I heard that you said, 
I should go eat a cheesesteak. Fair enough. But what is that based on? You know, is it going to be some cool, it might be like Patrick Swayze and Ghost, and there's going to be this light, and I'm going to be like doing pottery with my wife or something, I don't know. Is it going to be really cool? Right? Is that what's going to happen? I don't know, that movie kind of freaked me out when I first saw it. Especially when they dragged the guys down. That was, that was really scary. But is it going to be like that? Is it going to be like that? Or, or am I going to be like a cool Jedi ghost? Right? Like at the end of Star Wars? When I attend the Ewok party? Like is that, is that what it's going to be like? What is it that I'm basing my information? What do I think actually happens to me when I stop breathing? When I'm all done? When I cash it in here on earth? And what am I basing that information off of? I feel like most of us have a variation of what I call peanut theology. Bear with me. The idea is what happens to us when we die is sort of like cracking a peanut open. That, that we have this outer shell and when we die it breaks and then our spirit is freed to go on in eternity. Some of you, you've already released your nuttiness, but (laughs) sorry. (laughs) But a lot of us believe, a lot of you believe, well, that's just what happens. And and really, the end of your life is that time when, when your spirit is finally free to be set free. And you think, well, is that what the Apostles' Creed says? Is that what the Bible says about what happens after you die? I think there's a, that's kind of problematic because if that were what the Bible says, it sounds an awful lot like Gnosticism, which we talked about a few weeks ago. It sounds an awful lot like that, that the whole goal of life is to get done with this life so you can get on with the real life in the spirit world, that, that the evilness of, of the physical world must be escaped by your spirit. And so we're just kind of waiting for the big ship to sail us off and get us out of here, to rescue us from our dying selves so that we can be set free into the world of the spirit. That's not, that's not what I read in scripture, and that's certainly not what I read in the Apostles' Creed. I, I think there's another problem to that, is that if you say that it's all about the hereafter, then what does it matter in the here and now? If it's all about someday when I die, why would Jesus ever give a Sermon on the Mount to talk about how to live right now? Why would so much of the Bible be devoted to, barely any of it's devoted to, what happens when you die? It's almost all about what happens when you live. What happens in the here and now? When why does it matter? So when I read the Bible, I see something different. I see that this life matters. And so we struggle if we start thinking it's all about, well, breaking the shell so that we can be set free. I want you to think about this next question and how it relates to your whole life. How much of your life do you think is consumed with your fear of death? I mean, think about it. Think about all the decisions that you make based on fear of dying. Maybe you don't eat the train of cheesesteaks because you want to live. Maybe you go to the gym. Maybe you make sure that you eat right so that you stay healthy. Why? So you live longer. Maybe it informs your financial decisions or your relationship decisions. Your sense of anxiety and fear 
over just going to get checked up by the doctor. How much of your life is spent being afraid of death? I had this, uh, it's really wild when this happens. I had a dream last night that was sermon-based. I guess it goes with the territory. And uh, it was one of those epic dreams where you wake up and you're like, that's a movie. Like, I think that's a movie. But I'll spare you all the details. But uh, somehow I was able to travel 30 years into my own future. And I was just me. I like my my inside, the nut, went to 30 years ahead. And I kind of wake up, and here I am 30 years later. And I'm talking talking with my wife, and, and I'm asking all these questions. I'm like, so what's going on? Like, what happened these last years? I'm like, am I okay? I, am, I, am I sick? Do I have any major diseases? And she's like, no, no, you're good. Like, you know, you, you had a couple of skin cancer things, but everything looks good. And, and it, like, it's a very specific dream. And then like, no, but, but like, you're good. I'm like, oh, did I, ever, did I ever get a book published? Did I ever do that? And I don't remember the answer to that, which wasn't good. But then I saw like, I, I invented a, uh, it was like, it's so stupid. I invented a spiritual board game. I don't know, I don't know what that means. I hope it's not prophecy. So, but, um, but anyway, I'm asking all these questions. I'm like, so, so wait, so I'm good? And, and I remembered, like, you know, are we happy? Is everything, yeah, everything's great. And then in my dream, I transported back to my present self. And I remember thinking, Awesome. I've got 30 years where I'm going to be healthy. I, I, I can really get after it. Like, I'm, I don't have to worry about that. I can really live my life now. Now, what if somebody told you that? What if somebody said, you know what? You got 30 years at least, but I'm going to guarantee you 30 more years. I know some of you are doing the math. You're like, yeah, I don't know. But say you got 30 more years of healthy you. How would that change how you live today? I think it would change a lot. The way you went about life. Now imagine if death were removed forever. Death is removed. How would it change your life? See, so much of our life, I think, is spent worrying about death. And I feel like what Jesus keeps teaching us over and over again is, I've taken care of that. Stop worrying about that. It's messing up your life now. I believe in the resurrection of the body. This last part of the creed. This is the Christian hope. The belief in resurrection. But I think whenever we read this part of the Apostles' Creed, we think about Jesus. And we think, I believe in the resurrection of the body. But this isn't in that part of the creed. This isn't in the Jesus part. This is in the part that's talking about us. I believe in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. What is it that we're really saying? What is the creed really saying? Again, in Paul's letter to the Corinthians, we get a very early window into the life of the first Christian churches. Because we know that it takes us within about 30 years of the resurrection. 
And so we get a really early look at what it is that they were talking about and dealing with. And the people of Paul's day were afraid, mostly in this section of Corinthians we're going to look at, were afraid of dying. They thought Jesus was coming back imminently. They believe in the resurrection of the body. So when Joe died and he didn't rise again, he just sat there, everybody had questions. Wait a minute, I thought Joe believed in Jesus. He did not rise from the dead. What is up? What is going on? And they're asking Paul all these questions. What is the deal? I thought that's what we believed in. The resurrection of the body. And they had all these questions because, remember, they were getting teachings from these peanut shell Christians who were saying the best thing that could happen to you is your body just dies so that your soul could be set free. And they didn't know what this all meant. And so we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 15. I encourage you. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is a treatment of this issue for, for Paul and the way that Paul saw it and taught it to that church in Corinth. Beginning in verse 12, he talks about the resurrection of the dead. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. Boom. Mic drop. So is your faith. I always tell people, if Jesus did not rise from the dead, let's all pack it up and go home. Let's go get some brunch early. We don't need to be here. This is a giant waste of our time if Jesus did not rise from the dead. Everything rests on the resurrection. And so if you're saying that there's no such thing as resurrection, then you're discounting that Jesus rose from the dead. Yes, I know that he's Jesus. But remember, he was fully human and fully divine. Humanly, Jesus rose again from the dead. More than that, he says, more than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ, remember that, fallen asleep in Christ, are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. Paul doesn't mess around. He says, if there's no resurrection of the dead, then what are we all doing? We're all wasting our time. Because that means none of this is true. He's saying the tomb was empty. He did not leave a peanut shell behind, right? He didn't leave some outer part of it. The tomb was empty. He rose again. Resurrection of the body means resurrection of the body. Jesus had a body when he rose from the dead. There were stories of him eating and drinking. Stories of him showing his wounds. He definitely had a body. He walked with people. He talked. He spoke. He broke bread with them. But it was a different kind of body. There were times when people didn't recognize him. His own disciples didn't recognize him. He seemed to be able to appear at will. He had a body. 
but it was a different body. Jesus experienced a bodily resurrection, not just reassembled molecules. His body was different. The thing is, we are embodied creatures. I believe there is no distinction between physical and spiritual. I think it's all intertwined. We are integrated beings. And when we talk about the resurrection of the dead, we are talking about the hope that we have based on what we saw Jesus do. He said, this is going to happen to you, brothers and sisters. Why? Because Jesus did it, and the Jesus in you is going to enable this to happen, this bodily resurrection. All right, hang in there, because I know the questions you're asking. But Joe didn't rise from the dead. Hang in there. Well, I guess Paul anticipated this question. Here's what he says in verse 35. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? Again, people are dying of old age or whatever, uh, whatever happened back then, and they're not rising again from the dead. What's going on? When you sow, he says, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body as he has determined, and to each kind of seed he gives its own body. Not all flesh is the same. People have one kind of flesh, animals have another, birds another, and fish another. There are also heavenly bodies, and there are earthly bodies. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown... Planted is perishable, it is raised imperishable. This does not sound to me like a separation of body and spirit. This sounds like they are integrated. We are bodily beings, we will be raised bodily. In verse 20 he says, But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. There's that, fallen asleep. He had a very specific way of thinking about what happens when we die. We have hope of our resurrection because of what Jesus did. We have hope because of Jesus' resurrection. But you might be thinking, and you've been probably been thinking for the last few minutes, yeah, but I've never seen a bodily resurrection, so what gives? Right? What is that about? Well, we have to remember what it is that he is talking about. He's talking about when Jesus comes back. We will all return in his glory, a bodily resurrection. What happens in the meantime? We'll get to that. But he says in Colossians 3, 3 and 4, he explains, For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. But until then... Until then, what happens when I die? He says, you are hidden with Christ. You have fallen asleep. In other words, we don't know what happens. All we know is that I am with Christ when I die. I am with Christ. Somehow, someway, I am with Christ. But that's not the end. There is a resurrection of the body that is coming. He continues to explain, verse 51, Listen, I tell you a mystery. 
We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised, imperishable, and we will be changed. For the imperishable must clothe itself with the, excuse me, the perishable must clothe itself in the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? And so we believe in the resurrection of the body and we believe in the life everlasting. Death has been put to death. There will be life forever. You have been guaranteed another infinity years. You are going to live. Jesus said, I will get that out of the way so that you can live your life now without fear. Spend more time on what matters most and less time worrying about what you can't control anyway. The life everlasting. If death were removed, how would it change your life? Well, death has been removed and it ought to change your life. There's a joy in the journey. And so what does this mean for us? I think there are a couple of things that we kind of can take away from Paul's message to the Corinthians. I think the first is, death is not something to be feared. It is not something to be feared. It's something that he has taken care of. And it changes my life now. Because I'm so excited. I get all these years with God. I don't have to worry about it. I'm going to do what I'm dreaming to do. I'm going to get out there. I'm going to live my life fully. I don't have to be afraid of it all coming to a crashing end. No, my best days are always ahead of me. I'm not going to get to the end of my life and look back and be like, man, I really wish I would have put faith in Jesus. What would have happened? No. I'm going to get started right away. We all ought to be so excited to live our lives that we want to go running out of here and live them. After the sermon. I think the second thing is my life on earth matters. It matters here and now. It matters how we live. Jesus has placed eternity in our hearts so that we can live out every day with our hands and feet. We could show the world what it looks like to be living eternally even on, in this life. And then third, that life everlasting begins here and now, not just in the hereafter. At the very beginning of this series, we said that life is like pole vaulting. And if the goal is to launch ourselves over the bar, we need to hit a, something called a strike plate. And we have lots of strike plates to choose from. We could choose from any philosophy or idea that we think is going to launch us over. But we believe that it's faith in Jesus Christ that's able to launch us over the bar. And the Apostles' Creed is the technique. It's the placement of the hands. It's the counting the steps. Placement of the poles so that we hit the strike plate correctly. This is how the Apostles' Creed functions for us. That we make sure that as we read it and as we believe it, That it forms and shapes the way that we think about Jesus. So that he launches us into the life that he has designed for us to live.